Hello, everybody. It's Keith. So, I'm in the hospital right now in Berlin, Germany. I broke my foot and have been here for over a week recovering from surgery to repair my heel bone, which was shattered when I landed squarely on it, jumping over a gate. And uh, it's pretty stupid overall. I did record some thoughts on that emotional experience, uh, which I released as a video on YouTube, if you want to look that up, key thinking. And uh, I didn't quite feel it appropriate to release it here on my podcast feed. Uh, I thought I would record a series of podcast episodes from this hospital room, but um, predictably, my energy and enthusiasm levels have waned or at least been unpredictable, so I haven't really done that. But I resolved to do it now, to record at least this episode on the topic of ableism while I am quite disabled, at least temporarily, and more broadly about inclusivity and what we might try to mean with these new cultural political phrases and how my personal experiences relate to these ideas. So I have to say that I do put these kind of words into the canon of political correctness and woke language, along with stuff like intersectionality and trigger warnings and the like. And as such, I'm not quite a fan because I do see this kind of stuff as a bit Orwellian and authoritarian and creepy. So as usual, I'll be criticizing this stuff even from my vantage point as a current cripple, which is another non-PC word that perhaps I'm allowed to say now because I literally cannot walk. I have a broken foot. I am rolling around in a wheelchair around the hospital grounds here in Berlin. I am learning how to use crutches, which I will have to use for the next 10 weeks. And I'm not excited about it at all. I do feel a very new consciousness of, quote, ableism, the way that things are designed, and in particular not designed for somebody unable to walk. I do bless ramps and elevators. But at the same time, I just don't expect the whole world to change around my condition. And I suppose this is what I want to talk about now. So to open this up more broadly, um, you know, I did a video on this topic already as well on YouTube, uh, but I didn't really talk about um, the hottest button <laughs> of uh, topics around this word, inclusivity, which is, of course, as usual, trans activism and including trans women athletes in sports or including trans uh, men in um discussions of childbirth and child rearing, all this kind of stuff, you know? And I do want to maybe 
um, bring in a personal experience I've had again with this one. I have a friend here in Europe who recently did have a child and she echoed this phrase that I hear from a lot of leftists or politically correct people that maybe, and I quote, we just need to have a word that would define a broader framework to include people who, for whatever reason, want to have long hair, boobs, wear dresses, etc. Unquote. And she was speaking specifically of this idea of womanhood and what, is it, what does it mean to be a woman, which is what I talked to you guys about on my last episode here. Um, you know, it continues to be this interesting topic to me because, not because I care about or I'm obsessed with trans women or genitals or anything like that, but because, because it does represent a sort of new world order where we're expected to have certain attitudes and beliefs and that this sudden world order is very confusing and disorienting for most people. And I guess I do want to defend the status quo here. Like, my reaction to hearing something like this is like, why do we need such a word, right? Why do we need to be as inclusive as possible? Why does uh, AOC, uh, the congresswoman from New York, say things like, uh, people with breasts, birth, birthing people, people, people who give birth, people who breastfeed. Why is this language important? And obviously the answer is because, well, the idea is that being inclusive is nice and that it's rude and mean or cruel in some way to exclude people. And so that we have to have this very broad, inclusive language about everything. And, you know, I just have to tell you from the inside, so to speak, that this is not very helpful, in my opinion. This does not really accomplish anything except for to score political points for other people that think we're supposed to do this. It's virtue signaling is what it is. And... Virtue signaling is just really silly to me, quite frankly. Now, I say that as somebody that has generally been canceled by many friend groups and individual people, by uh, many um, places and contexts, I'm not quite welcome because I do sort of boorishly run my mouth and express these sort of uh, renegade opinions though I think I speak very broadly for a silent majority. It's just stuff that you're not supposed to say in polite society, or at least in the circles that I run, which are somewhat elitist, leftist circles. And I just think it's really hypocritical and pathetic that people are so intolerant of very normal ideas, like women give birth, for instance, or that, like, um, stairs make sense from a design point of view for 99% of people. And I still think that even though I cannot really use stairs right now. So I'm just here to say that even though I am living life right now, uh, in these kind of other shoes, so to speak, like it is very awkward and difficult for me to simply get out of bed and go to the bathroom and open a door and walk down a hallway 
It is very hard for me to imagine going to a bar, let alone a club. I cannot dance. And there is some amount of jealousy or envy for able-bodied people. And I just, you know, I very much cherish the idea of health and I miss my health and my healthy body. So that's just what it's like, you know, that's what it's, that's what life is like when you get old or you get injured or you have some sort of malady or disability. It's just, it's not cool, obviously. And I guess the idea with PC language and inclusivity is like, well, let's just be as helpful as possible to people for whom it's not cool. And this idea is okay. It's okay enough. It's like, it it means well, right? But I just think it's pointless at the end of the day. Like, language is not what will make me feel better. Medical science and time are what will make me feel better. Camaraderie and attention and love are what will make me feel better. Uh, Inclusive language is bullshit, frankly. That does nothing for me. Um, In fact, I would much prefer obscene jokes about my condition. I would much rather prefer it to be called out and for my uh, tragedy to be uh, highlighted in some sort of fun way, you know. I appreciate sympathy, of course, but I hate to be pitied. And um, I just think it's important to appreciate that. And I just question my audience, dear listener, who among us wants pity? Who among us wants to be token selected based on our you know our certain attributes that might be overlooked or whatever you know like i don't understand this idea of inclusivity in terms of uh progressivism i don't know how who's i don't know what agenda is furthered from this idea of inclusivity quotas to hire certain kinds of people you know awards specifically for women or minorities you know hiring policies based specifically on these things like do you really want to be hired or um, appreciated or celebrated simply because of something you cannot even change about yourself or do anything about I don't get that and you know it just comes up a lot in my life I see my female friends um, gain access because of their femalehood you know while ironically lambasting the patriarchy for a man's world and how men get all the awards and the money and the attention which is just fundamentally ironic given the the fact that the opposite is quite true at this point um so i guess i just you know i guess i've just if i can admit it become socially conservative on this idea i would rather preserve and conserve the idea of merit and democracy and freedom and uh I don't really appreciate being told what to do or how to think. And I'm shocked that so many people do. And I do want to just frame it like that. Like, do you really want to be told how to think or what to, or how to behave in terms of this kind of language? I think a lot of this idea of like, if I can just zero in on this idea of ableism, for instance, I think a lot of this is just operating under a false premise. That being that we're living in a society that is fundamentally tyrannical and run by ableists or able-bodied people who are somehow tyrannically and, uh, you know, oppressing the disabled. Um, This is a really unclear thought that comes from Marxism. 
It's cultural Marxism. It's neo-Marxism. It's just replacing the bourgeoisie and proletariat with the able-bodied and the disabled. And it's the same with uh, feminist theory that claims that we live in a patriarchal, sexist society that holds down women. Now, obviously, there is some truth to this stuff. That's why these ideas are appealing. This sort of broad lie is fun to believe in because it does kind of point the finger at a mysterious bad guy and there are moments of evidence for it right like people point to like a gender wage gap to show how women are oppressed they point to uh, suicide rates among trans people or disabled people to show how they're oppressed you know there's obvious there's obvious visual cues in the world you know like the absence of ramps to show that disabled people um, are quote oppressed now to me this is just weird language i mean it's just fundamentally not the right way to look at it the world is made by people and people come to a consensus on how to operate with each other um, so we make buildings that often go upward to accommodate more people uh, elevators are not the oldest technology. Um, you know, like there's just a lot of examples of just like, if you look at a building that doesn't have a ramp on it, yes, put a ramp on it. Like I support, um, associations and advocacy groups that fight for the disabled or the handicapped. Like it's fair enough to have advocacy for this stuff. It's absolutely fair enough. But to think that the world was designed intentionally to, alienate a handicapped person is not fair because it's not designed specifically to alienate anyone it's designed to specifically facilitate um, the people that are actively using it and i just think it's funny like when you drive around in car-based cities and you go to a you know a, a parking lot and certain spots are saved for uh handicapped parking disabled parking um, you know, nowadays, like in California, there's a lot more spots that are also saved for like online shoppers, you know, or like, um, pickup orders, you know, like we get so obsessed now with like prioritization and, um, sort of like somehow like insisting that we can, we can, we can mandate order. We can, we can systematize a proper, uh, order or hierarchy for who goes where and it's just funny to me because life is just not like that you know i mean we've all like circled city blocks looking for parking and cursed why there isn't more parking but it's also like when you think about it why do you think you you deserve parking like cities should not be designed for parking spaces and cars right like as walkers as pedestrians we realize that um what makes you think that you're owed this thing, right? Now, I want to get more personal about this. So, like, living in Germany, I've, I've hit some culture clashes. Um, you know, coming from California, I feel very, like, chilled out and easygoing about stuff in general. And let's take housing specifically as an example. You know, perhaps it's where I come from or just my disposition, but, like, I just genuinely and generally speaking want to be helpful and accommodating to 
people that I like and know. So like when friends are visiting, I like, I try to be a host. I try to make my time available and I try to make my space available. And that means hosting people, even though I don't really have a spare room, even in Berlin, I don't even have a, I don't have anything. I live in a studio apartment, but like I've, I try to let people crash on my couch. It puts me out for sure. But to me, I just have this natural disposition. Um, and that's just not always the case, right? Culturally and individually. A lot of people are very uptight and um, regimented and orderly in, in how they live their lives and share their spaces. And they're just, they don't want to do that. And um, it's hurtful when you're the traveler or you're the one in need and you are at somebody's, in somebody's city. And it's a close friend, especially like, where you kind of presume if the shoe was on the other foot, you would happily offer them a place and they don't do it for you. This happens to me here and there. And it's, it's always a little like jarring because it's like, what the hell? I thought we were close. I would do it for you, you know? But then you realize that people have different ways of thinking about their lives and their spaces. And it's just not fair to presume that everyone is as open as me, for instance. And it, it gets back to this topic of like inclusivity, like I am excluded from their space. It's the same with like cancel culture and being invited in. Like we all want to be invited to the party. We all want to be asked out on the date. We all want to be treated to the dinner. Of course, like those things are nice. And it's a very basic human desire to want to be wanted and to be attended to. And I feel it very, very much. I'm very sensitive to this. But of course, I also don't ask out every person or treat every person or invite every person. Like, I'm not going to do that either. It's very selective who I do that for. Um, just because I see a homeless person on the street that wants something from me doesn't mean that I'm obligated to do it. You know, there are certain, it's context-based. But, you know, I, was, I uh, recently was working some shifts at a bar. And to me, it's like, if there's some way I can accommodate a patron, like if there are not enough chairs outside, I want to think maybe I can fetch a chair from inside, right? Whereas some bar workers will say, well, sorry that we're out of chairs. The, out, the indoor chairs don't belong outside. I'm not going to bring it outside, you know? Or, you know, like I was working for this bar and the owner uh, asked me to go buy some lemons and limes, which I did. And I uh, paid with a card on my phone and somehow I lost the receipt, you know? And his reaction was like, where's the receipt? I need the receipt of the 10 euros that you spent. Like, I can't just give you 10 euros if I don't have a record of, of what you spent it on. And I just thought this was funny because I've been a manager and like when somebody like a worker comes to me and says, oh, this one little thing is wrong and there's this minor discrepancy. My thought is to like suddenly like relate to them and think, oh, okay, let's see. Um, how could we like solve this issue together um, because obviously you shouldn't have to pay for the lemons and limes that the bar uses, right? But my boss's reaction was like, I, you can't expect me to give you the money back for this if you don't have the receipt, even though I could show him on my phone like the record of how much I spent. And I just thought this is like such a terrible way to manage something, to be a boss. It's like, don't you want to be um, conciliatory? Don't you want to be supportive? Don't you want to be nice? And it's the same with friends. Like if somebody says like, oh, do you want to go and do this thing? Like 
I like to be, I like to say yes to invites. I like to be included and do things with people. And it's always a little surprising to me that when people aren't like that, right? Like, um, it just fundamentally shows that they seem to care less, which is like, that's the world. It's just the world. And it just makes it funny to me with the politics of culture that we get so obsessed with saying the right thing and, and ticking off like, you know, land acknowledgements and stuff like this. When at the end of the day, our lives are really dictated by interpersonal relationships and you cannot control what other people do. And it's those relationship decisions that fundamentally decide how, how well your life is lived. And it's just so silly to me that we like obsess instead about these like broad cultural things of like, oh, you have to be polite to strangers, but then you can be a total dickhead to your friends. Like, what is that? You know, like it doesn't make sense to me. It, you know, it reminds me of this idea that like, I read from Jonathan Haidt's book. I might've said this before on this podcast. I say it a lot, you know, liberals in general, leftists will often claim um, a very like do good attitude of like well-wishing and, you know, wanting to be helpful for generic people, for strangers, but then less so for the people that they actually know and love. Whereas conservatives are kind of the opposite. Like they're more matter of fact that they're not necessarily going to be responsible and help every stranger or someone around the world from around the, uh, the other side of the world, but they will very much care for their siblings and their brethren, their community. And I, I, I suppose this is also where I just am like relating more to conservatives. You know, it's like, let's be honest with ourselves. Why are we trying to pretend that we're such great people who have these very broad ideas of helping the people in need when we don't even really want to help our neighbor or the person talking to us in this conversation? You know, I just think that's a, it's so, it's so ironic and hypocritical that anyone would say that they want to like give as much as possible to like the needy in quotes, just the generic needy. And yet when someone is like literally in need of something right there, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I have to work or I really can't, I can't spare the time right now. Or like, I really don't know how to help you. It's like, yeah, that's right. You don't, that's fair enough. But don't pretend that you're this do-gooder person in theory you know, I, I guess I just, I don't know. I guess my impulses these days are to have a healthy um, skepticism and have a healthy wall up so that not every issue in the world, you know, overwhelms me, that I cannot take on the emotional weight of the entire world, but that I do genuinely want to open up myself to people that are literally in my life that might actually need something very specific from me that I can provide. And it's hard for me when I can't provide it, you know, even like working at that bar, it's like, I really don't know if I can help you pick a drink or, um, you know, break this large bill or let you pay with a card. If I, if I like, I don't necessarily have access to do that. I don't have the, the power to do all those things. But if I can help you, if I'm, you know, working at a bar and trying to facilitate things, like that's what I'm there to do. So I don't know. It's just interesting to me that like, I don't know, maybe I'm just bitter because it's like, I have so many interpersonal interactions where I feel quite left out in the cold, quite excluded, quite unloved, 
quite in need. And yet I am expected to just generically change my way of speech and thought for a very generic idea of trans people that might be depressed or um, disabled people that might not have access to certain things, you know, or, you know, certain races or ethnicities that might not feel as a sense of belonging to the same extent that I am supposedly feeling. It's like, you're not alone, pal. You're not the only one that feels alienated from the world. You're not the only one that wishes you felt a stronger sense of belonging. You think that being like white skinned makes somebody feel like they belong? That person, I don't know, like it's just insane to me that like people are so daft and I mean, quite frankly, bigoted and racist to like think, oh, you're, you're this color. So therefore your experience in life is like that. Like, no, not at all. Even like as an able-bodied person for my, basically my whole life until last week, it's not like I feel like I have access to everything. You know what I mean? Like I constantly feel at odds with the world you know, as a person sensitive to sound, I hate when noise from outdoors seeps into my brain and disturbs me. It's like, it makes me wish that I, my hearing was like worse, right? I mean, it's a very mundane example of perhaps, perhaps too privileged of an example. But like, I don't know, like I'm very sensitive to like space and sights and sounds i'm very i'm very sensitive with perception with perception i'm not very sensitive with like feelings i suppose though it depends on the context like when someone comes to me with real feelings i can very adequately and maturely deal and address those feelings but in like social contexts that are often very messy and uh, unpredictable. It can often be fun for me to play with those things and to make jokes or to like contort social situations toward different directions. Um, so I'm accused of being insensitive a lot or maybe like bringing up politics where it's not appropriate or something like this is where maybe I'm quite um, autistic um, along with the perception stuff in terms of like sensory perceptions. I'm losing my train of thought here. My ADHD or ADHS is kicking in here. Let me try and focus again. I suppose my thesis here is that it is a fool's errand to be inclusive. It is impossible to be inclusive. And I think we forget to follow up and finish my thought about this like worldview that we're basing it on, which is this like cultural Marxism. I think we're losing the plot here. Western Westerners, Western society, everyone in Europe and the Americas, or at least North America, Australia, etc. Our societies are are founded on liberalism and enlightenment values. The Bill of Rights, you know, the U.S. Constitution and the French Revolution's Constitution. These things are already providing us this amazing framework of how to make the world 
as good as it can be in terms of friendliness, openness, accessibility. And it's based on freedom. It's based on freedom. We have the freedom to do things. And insofar as this project is ongoing and needs work, it's about opening those freedoms more and more broadly, not limiting them. We want to open the right to vote to more and more people, right? We want to we want to spread and extend our concept of human rights to everybody. And I just don't see where disabled people or trans people or ethnic minorities have their human rights infringed upon. Where is that happening? You know, and I just don't understand this concept that I hear a lot from leftists of like, I just want to live in a world where people are allowed to compete in sporting events regardless of their uh, sexual uh, biology differences. Uh, what is the word here? Um, regardless of X. Well, yes, I agree. But the liberal blueprint already does that. Like we remove barriers to entry as much as we can. But certain things, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Like interpersonally, where most of your life is decided day to day, it's definitely not going to happen. You're just not allowed to declare yourself a board member of a, a conglomerate. You're just not allowed to say that you belong on an Olympics team when you've never trained. You're not allowed to walk up into a, onto a stage and say that you're in a band. And to just, you know, like to think that everyone deserves that stuff is not true. Everyone deserves access to pursue that stuff. Everyone deserves access to pursue whatever they want. That's my fundamental belief as a liberal. But that doesn't mean that we have to make special rules and considerations for people based on their group identity. Group identity is trash. Group identity is unhelpful. It's meaningless when we're talking about society because you can't hold group identities accountable. You can't represent group identities in any meaningful way. You can't use group identity for anything. It's just not, it, like, it doesn't make any sense. You know, like, in the world of art, you know, like, female artists, female photographers, okay, you're female. That's, is, like, does that really tell me everything? No, it tells me very little, frankly, about your work, you know? And it, it just, it's a little confusing to me that we are obsessing now about group identities. It's like what Stalin did, you know, it's what Mao did. I don't know why we think that's cool. It leads to a lot of trouble. And I don't think that most people are fully appreciative of the kind of trouble that it leads to. Hitler cared about group identities. And I just don't understand the value of doing that in a liberal society where we've already determined that people are individuals. You're an individual and your life experiences are unique. It's a mix of privileges and uh, disabilities. And you can point to all sorts of different, you know, examples of what that means. But fundamentally, like, you don't know why you didn't get invited to that event or get hired for that job or whatever. Like, you can't say it's because of your group identity in one way or another. Um, in general, it's more probably because people didn't get along with you as well, you know? Like, the amount of times that I've been rejected and failed is, <laughs> it's innumerable. 
it's innumerable the amount of time the amount of failures i've had in my life and i've never once thought that it was because of my race or my gender or my uh attractiveness or my uh any characteristic that i was just born with right until these days when it's made explicit like oh we can't hire you because you're a guy we can't do this like nowadays it's happening but never until recently when cultural marxism became en vogue was that the case it's always been more like you're not good enough you're not qualified for this you're not meshing with the group well enough we don't know if you're going to be fun to work with we don't know if you're going to be um, a good provider as a mate we don't know if you're going to be whatever it is right like it's personal it's individual maybe like personal is a tricky word because people love to say it's not personal and i think what they mean by that it's like it's not a vendetta about you as a person it's not against you specifically it's just it's uh it's individual right it's like based on these exact circumstances it's not a fit and to think that we can change that to think that we can make anyone's lives any better to make depressed people any less sad by using inclusive language is just insane to me. It's just, um, it's pointless. And uh, I have come to resent it because it's like, you think you know how to make people's lives better? You think you really know? You don't know. You just know what makes you sound cooler and nicer and gets you like points, either politically or socially. Like you say the things you say for status. That's why most people say and think the thing, or not think, people think all sorts of random things, but people say and believe things that give them some status or that just make them feel good. And I just, I've become so skeptical about that. It's like, you can really see what people think when you watch them behave and act, you know, like how, how much do your actions match your words? You know what I mean? Like, are you a generous person? Are you giving this and that to away to this and that person? Are you inclusive in, in the way that you treat this and that thing? Um, and I just, I get confused. And I, I you know, I scrutinize, scrutinize myself too. I don't just, don't just want to have a go at you, dear listener, arbitrarily as a, as a person, um, the, the proverbial you. Um, I'm pointing my fing the finger at myself as well. It's like, I think a lot of my, a lot of this podcast is me coming to terms with my actions and my thoughts. You know what I mean? Like I could be, I definitely could be nicer and more generous with plenty of things. And I think maybe just by putting my mind toward it, it's not that I want to be. It's just that, I don't want to say here exactly. You know, I'm just thinking about this, um, this moment that came up on my family reunion recently where uh, I was talking with my aunt and you know, she's a very bleeding heart liberal kind of person who wants to just do good for everybody. And, um, but yet we, her and I fight all the time and like it undermines her point when she doesn't even want to hear me out and listen to my point of view. You know what I mean? Like how do good is that? How nice is it to like, to uh, stifle my speech and to like, turn her back toward me how nice is that like and we talk about this idea of nice and i told her very explicitly i am not nice i don't care to be nice it's not my goal to be nice and what i mean by that is like 
you know, as a, as a former New Yorker, you know, or as just like, um, as a somewhat calloused person, like, it's not my goal to like, be polite. It's not my goal to, to make niceties and to just make small talk and be, uh, copacetic and easygoing with everybody all the time. That's not my goal. My goal is to like, um, be comfortable and not infringe on others, you know, to express my whims and my wills and my desires while not infringing on anybody else to live and let live. And that means, you know, getting into my political views when I'm feeling comfortable with people that I like to talk with. It means, you know, stating my opinions, you know, and these things might not be nice, but like, who needs me to be nice? I don't get this. Like, I think New Yorkers and Europeans understand what I'm saying. Like, what's the point of just being generically nice? That's like a Southern thing, you know, like Southern hospitality. It's like, you're nice to my face and you're talking shit about me behind my back. How is that good? So I guess I just mean like, I don't like PC language of inclusivity for that reason. Like, let's not, let's not be nice. Let's actually make the world good for people by opening up opportunities and, you know, being clear about our project here, which is ideally merit-based, ideally based on competence and what's good, what we agree is good, whether that be as a political system or as a, as a photographer or as a, as a party or an event. Like, we can generally agree what, what's good. We know what a good party is, so let's make it that. You know, we don't have to, like, water it down to be, quote, inclusive. You know, like, a ramp to a building does not make a party better. So it's like, it's fair enough to not consider that. And if it means that somebody like me can't go to the party, so be it. So be it. It's not like the world is against me. The world is against me because of my interpersonal react relationships that I have maybe not tended to well enough. You know what I mean? The world is against me because of nature and age and health and death. That's why the that's how the world is against me. The world is against me because of germs and viruses and parasites and such things. You know, it's not against me because an architect didn't build a ramp and then the party planner didn't pick the right inclusive space. You know, more likely my friend probably just didn't invite me to the party. That's how the world is against me. And in that sense it's like yeah, I get it. Like, being excluded sucks. So, like, let's make the world inclusive. But you don't make the world inclusive through controlling language and telling people, like, how to think and what to put in their bios and, you know, how to write a kind of, like, letter to the public and whatever. It's like, you make the world inclusive by letting people know about opportunities, encouraging people you know, broadening, um, you know, broadening opportunities in a myriad of ways, creating new games, creating new hierarchies, creating new chances for more people to rise up. You know, like if, if the only game in town was, you know, business, well, not everybody is good at business, right? So it's like, I feel personally infringed upon, to put it harshly, by the admin world, you know what I mean? Like the world is designed for people that are good at paperwork, fundamentally. Like that sucks for somebody that's 
easily confused and, you know, uh, distracted and, uh, it's hard to get your mind around your files. Like the world's against me. <laughs> How do you make the world inclusive for that? You don't just add like any race, gender, or sexual orientation can apply to this. Like just make the application really easy. Just make it clicks clicks of the button or like just share your Instagram. Like that's how, it, you know what I mean? Like my friend and I were like looking at this open call for photographers. This application just required like a 300 word artist statement, a CV with all your exhibitions listed on it, um, 15 photos, less than three megabytes each. You know, I mean, I'm glad they said less than three megabytes because it's like, okay, you don't want TIFF files. You don't want large files. But, like, what pixel size do you want? You know what I mean? Um, and more specifically, like, I know that they're asking for, like, an oeuvre. They want, like, a vision. Why don't they just ask for your Instagram? Why don't they just ask for, like, just send us your Instagram or send us your website? You know what I mean? Like, it's really hard as an artist or a photographer to, like, put together this right application process. It's hard. It requires admin it requires paperwork upload the files you know like all this stuff it's intimidating it's intimidating it doesn't make it any better that it's like we're gonna prioritize women of color for this like i, I don't know i guess this is just a this rant is getting a little vague at this point um so i'm gonna, I'm gonna start winding it down i just i just have to say even from a disadvantaged point of view it's not helpful. It's just not helpful for the world to pretend that it's doing the right thing by broadening language for the quote disadvantaged. It just doesn't do very much. You know what I mean? Like, if you want me to feel more included, heal my wound. You know, nurse me back to health. That will make me feel more included. <laughs> you know, give me a semblance of normalcy in my life. You know, like, let me still have fun. Let me still, you know, have a sense of, like, autonomy and agency in my life. That would make me feel more included. So that's where I'm coming from right now. You know, it's like, I just, I think it's important to keep that perspective. All right, I guess I've said what I want to say today. Until next time.